the bills are coming and I can't pay them. Yeah. I'm hungry and I can't get enough food for my family. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another week of Living with Will and to the third part of my interview series with Dr. Williams. Again, thank you so much, sir, for an amazing conversation. It was insightful. It was needed. And I hope everyone knows that despite the chaos that we've seen the past few days, we're going to get through this. We're going to build a better, more inclusive and brighter future for our country and our world. Successes and blessings to everyone listening. Please like, comment or subscribe if you're enjoying the podcast, too. I hate to always have to shamelessly plug that, but it really does mean a lot. And for anyone that's dealing with stress or anxiety related issues due to this election, know that I'm with you, know that I stand for you, and I will continue to speak out against systems of oppression that are plaguing this country. Thank you all so much again, and welcome back to another week of Living With Will. And I thought that was really good. The quarterback for um, for the Cincinnati Bengals, he's amazing, even though I'm a Cleveland fan, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I loved what you were talking about when you talk about others, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, that otherism, right? Mm-hmm. It's natural in animals too, right? Like, you know, I'm a Cleveland animal, right? Mm-hmm. I do not like the, the Cincinnati Bengal animals, <laughs> right? Even though I was born in Hamilton, Ohio, right outside of Cincinnati, right? <laughs> I have transitioned. I am a new other, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but the quarterback for the Bengals, man, he is amazing. And he talked about how you know look uh, hunger in america is real right Mm -hmm. and you know um it was just you know amazing even just reading in that you know wages of whiteness right how they're talking about basically even if you pay the white person the same amount right as they had before racism they have a race feeling Right. Yeah. And the benefits, you know, that are, you know, basically involved with being a member of the white club now. Right. Because poor white people were treated worse than black people Mm -hmm. in colonial America. That's what they don't teach you either. Mm -hmm. Right. Because if you had to pay thirty thousand dollars, thirty six thousand dollars for a black person. You are not going to let them starve. Mm -hmm. If you didn't have to pay anything for a work for for a um, working class white person, or you had to pay less than the amount of money that you would pay for hog meat for Mm -hmm. that person, you don't really care if they live or die. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that was part of the whole anger of working class whites too. Right. Like that, that wealthy whites treated blacks better than they treated whites. Mm-hmm. Now, that's going to be very controversial, too, but it's true. Right. So basically both got beaten. Right. You could still beat rape, you know, whatever, you know, either of them because they were both property. Right. But you weren't going to let your black slaves starve to death because you, you still owed money on them. Right. Like, like, you know, it was 30,000 something dollars, $35,000. Right. You don't want that asset that you can then give to your kids to die. And so that was a huge thing with the whole, you know, racism thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So basically, once that was over, poor working class white folks, you know, 
removed all the anger they had from the wealthy that set up the system where they cared more about black people. And they were like, okay, so now we're on the same team. So I'm going to feel good about that. And just, we'll just all hate the black people now. So that otherism, you know, has basically worked to help trick working class white people into thinking that wealthy, greedy white people, not all wealthy white people, the, the greedy wealthy care about them. Well, so this is this don't. is where I'm going to raise, this is a, a perfect time for this question. So we spoke about this a little bit earlier about how someone like Trump, he's not smart enough to hide that he has these feelings and these beliefs. It's very yeah. apparent, right? And that part of that that ability of us to see through him, his transparency is that it's waking up certain white people to the, the illusion that's been created in America that like we're this progressive democracy and we, you know, we're inclusive and all these things when we're not. You know, we have the ideals of it, but the practice isn't there, right? And that's the what we what we talked about is kind of the saving grace of this is that it's showing this a a, a criticism that I've heard and that I wanted to pose the question to you is that with a Trump presidency, we know that. With a Biden presidency, it's back to business as usual, which is the whole de facto versus de jure racism, which is instead of the, you know, the past racism where it's in your face and, and Trump-esque, this is going to go back to an America where it's, I'm going to smile on your face and then stab you in the back and imprison you disproportionately, you know? Yes. So yes. and so so I guess my question is to that is how do you persuade people that Biden is going to be different because I've been struggling with that. Right. And so the reason that I think Biden's going to be different is because of the one word that makes America the greatest country in the world. Diversity. Biden has a whole bunch of non-white people in his world, mm -hmm. right? And they are now basically young and powerful and with strong ideas and attitudes like you, like your generation mm -hmm. makes my generation feel good, mm -hmm. right? Like I look at my kids, I look at you guys, like you all are not gonna have this, right? You're like, you know, and I remember talking to my, to my kids, especially my daughter when she was in high school and I'm like, so how was the party, right? Mm -hmm. She's like, oh, it was great. It was wonderful. I'm like, so so how long did they play the black music and how long did they play the white music, right? Mm -hmm. And she's like, what are you talking about, Dad? What? What are you talking about? And I'm like, because when I was in high school, there was like, you know, the, the white music and the black music. Mm -hmm. And at our parties, you know, it was kind of an issue, right, you know? how much you played of each, right? And there were certain crossover groups, right? You know, like, like Earth, Wind, and Fire, you know, you know, you know um, Wild Cherry, like those kind of groups, right? The Doobie Brothers, right? Like those were crossover, right? Wild. But, um, you know, you guys don't have that, mm -mm. right? So Biden has a lot of young minds, young people who are basically going to take it to a new generation. Right, mm -hmm. to a new um, level of democracy, right? And because Trump is so bad at what he's doing. Okay, so this is a really wild one, right? You ready for this idea? Mm -hmm. Everyone listening, please have a seat. I, I have not lost my mind. <laughs> I am a psychiatrist, but I promise you, I'll, I'll bring it in. 
Trump always says that he's the best president for black people since Abraham Lincoln. I agree with him. Okay, <laughs> you ready? Because he is so bad as a racist that as a white person now, you clearly have to pick a side. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. You have to pick a side because he is not hiding it. He can't hide it. So as a white person, you either have to decide, okay, this is a racist person, or at least a race, a racism using person. That's what I'm going to say. Because I'm still not 100% that he's mainly a racist. He's a narcissist more than a racist. Like, he mm. will use whatever he can use to get his way. Right, 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 like, right. He, he'll drop the racism thing in a second. If he finds out that Americans would vote for him and keep him out of jail, if he stopped being a racist, like like if he, if he thought you and I would change our minds and we would vote him in, if he actually did the stuff he promised he was going to do, like like basically he his whole healthcare platform in quotes when he was running was better, cheaper, and will include more people than Obamacare. He gave no details. He just gave the title of his plan. If he had actually done that, instead of just letting Mitch McConnell's, you know, plan be what he, you know, was going to put his name on, he was basically putting his name on somebody else's homework, basically. Yeah. Right? And, and some days, I wish that it had gone through, because that was the first thing he tried to do. If he did that, first off, if... if, if if John McCain's thumb would not have gone down, it would have gone up, and he would have thrown all. Because really, the, the the biggest thing, and I'm, I wish they would say it like this, right? So, as a psychiatrist, as a doctor, what the Affordable Health Care Plan really does is it allows people who have insurance, all of us who pay premiums, we know that the biggest fear is whatever illness we get our insurance company is not going to pay for it yeah even if you pay premiums that's your fear right Mm -hmm. so here's my little you know funny tagline for that right life is a pre-existing condition Mm. right Mm -hmm. life is a pre-existing condition Mm -hmm. if you are alive your body is a machine it's an incredible machine Mm mm-hmm all machines break down. None of us are getting out of life alive. Right. Right? So all of us are going to have something break down. That's why everybody needs health care. Mm-hmm. And if you're blessed to have enough money that, you know, if something happens to you and you need a drug to cost $10,000 a month and you can afford it, God bless you. I'm happy. Right, me too. Right, mm-hmm. my aunt, she has that. Right, she's got one. That's right. Mm-hmm. But you know, she's got the money. If you don't, your whole family could go bankrupt with yeah. trying to keep you alive. Yeah, it's so happened many the, times. With the Affordable Health Care Act, or now bill, right, or now law, excuse me, did was it made. Everybody that pays for health care secure 
because they can't drop you anymore for pre-existing condition. And, and really, pre-existing condition, like that phrase, is just a fancy way of saying we're not going to pay for that. Yeah, yep. Right, just like yearly max, lifetime max. I mean, they just come up with really interesting ways to say we're not going to pay yeah, for that. Yeah, you're on your own. Yeah, we're going to take all your premium money, and we're not going to give you the money back when you need it because that will mess up our profits. Right, exactly, which is unbelievable. So, yeah, so the ACA fix that and i wish i wish i tried to get that to the obama people i tried to get that to biden like i don't know why don't they say that well that i'm i totally agree why what is and what do you think the answer is to that why is it that politicians and namely you know the politician that we have right now running for president joe biden why don't they speak frankly like why can't he say trump you're a fucking idiot you're lying to the american people like why can't he just say that Okay, let me just say it again. As a child and adolescent psychiatrist, Mm -hmm. I find that when I can synthesize complex medical issues down to the language that an eight-year-old can understand them, I find that the parents can understand them too. But when are we going to have a... Maybe you have to run for president then, because we need a president that understands that philosophy. Why can't Joe... Are you ready for this? Hold it, we have a president that understands that philosophy. Yeah. Trump is president because he understands that philosophy. Or yeah, maybe that understands it because he's limited. Yeah, he that might that just have to do it because he like, has the it's eight-year-old not like brain. He's choosing. Yeah. He, he <laughs> yeah. cannot speak more eloquently. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He just does it on accident. Like, you know, trounce eloquently. Yeah. Right. No, but you're right, though. It's, it's, it's a great point. It's pretty... It's... He doesn't do it on purpose, but he's a master at understanding that concept. Yeah, he speaks at a level that eight-year-olds can understand. Yeah. That is the level that, you know, America needs their information given to them. But why doesn't Joe Biden America, get that? All of America. But this is another thing, right? Um, for for the, the Democratic Party, and I have, I'm starting to develop an issue. I mean, I, I not even develop. I have an issue with both parties because... The Democratic Party has the option of, I'm not going to say Kamala Harris is a bad pick. She's a brilliant woman. But let's look at her past. To pick a woman who has a very serious stain on her career, which was, you know, the truancy and arresting of parents and, and incarcerating of black people in California, to pick that as your running mate during a police brutality and social and political justice crisis was a huge mistake. Well, okay, so I've definitely been able to talk to people and get like a more rounded view of that, okay? Okay. So so let me just say, first off, there's nothing that you just said that I disagree with. Mm -hmm. Everything you just said, I totally agree. No question. That's like a bad choice if that's what you're looking at. Right. Right. But if you're looking at white working class people who fear, remember, Antifa, right, Mm -hmm. as the, you know, law, 
you know, refusing mob of, you know, disloyalists, right? Yeah. Who are running through the streets, right? Mm. She is the very, you know, pentacle of enforcing the laws of the land. True. That's true. Right? So she doesn't have to personally agree with the laws of the land, but... She is enforcing the laws of the land, right? Which is what I wish our Supreme Court nominee would say, right? Like, I am a religious person. I believe in God. I believe that, you know, murder is wrong, but I will support the laws of the land. Did you hear um, when she was asked, what are the five principles that the First Amendment protect? Did you hear the one that she was unable to remember? No. It was, they asked her, what are the five things that protect? She goes, um speech what was it speech assembly religion don't don't look for me i don't remember you know it was it was religion speech assembly and i forget the fourth but then she stumbled on the fifth and you know what it was it was freedom to protest that was the (laughs) she couldn't remember that the the first amendment protects the freedom to protest and i'm curious if she couldn't remember or if she willfully chose to forget that one because, oh, that's interesting. Isn't it? Because we're really dealing with that right now. Like, th- yes. the way these protesters are being treated is, I mean, I called the ACLU and I was like, I want to I want to sue the city of L.A. because of how they're treating protesters in the city. Like, they can't they can't tear gas and and mace yeah. and beat and, and in and in prison. Did you they they put friends of mine in a police one of those like school bus police vans like for like transporting prisoners They left a friend of mine, Kylie, with these other women in there for eight hours. This woman is having a panic attack growing up on herself. They left them there for eight hours, didn't read the Miranda rights, anything, and then let them out at night without saying what their charges were, anything, at night, no phones, in a place that they they weren't supposed, you know, like they've never, they might not live downtown. Like, that is so unconstitutional. They took their phones? Took their phones, their phones died because they were in a van for eight hours, like, so unconstitutional and like completely against police protocol but we're not seeing any enforcement you know i i think the aclu won their case that they because they told me they were like yeah we're, we're pursuing a case but thank you for the call <laughs> which i'm sure they were like this guy's really fired up <laughs> yeah exactly dude i'm proud of you bro i was furious though thank you but no i mean it's it's from leaders of the past you know i i saw that when during the civil rights movement malcolm x went to the eu he was like i need to sue this country because these are acts against humanity and it's yeah, a uh, uh, un rather but awesome. it's, but it's true you know like these are these are acts against humanity and they're really going without and so that's why i thought it was interesting that's the one she forgot or choose to forget was the right to protest yeah that's that's awesome thank you for letting me know that because scary stuff either way that's bad either way it's horrible you know it's scary too like you were saying about if an eight-year-old could understand it when i was watching her hearing she convinced me she was smart and she convinced me that she had the best interest at, at mind because she had a way of running of, of giving the runaround for these questions that was reassuring i was yes. like oh she's smart yes Thank God for people that like hold her accountable and who are as smart as her in a good way, you know, like yeah. the yin yang, they were able to hold her accountable. Cause I was one of those American masses that was like, yeah, sure. I like her. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. And, and trust me, if you watch Fox news, yeah, you are not going to get the Cory Booker, 
the Kamala Harris, totally. the the Amy Kobachar. Yeah. Oh my God, they were brilliant at yeah. picking her apart. Yeah, and they just did it slowly, methodically, mm-hmm. and respectfully. Yeah, but you will not see that on Fox News. No, and that's you know I think it's important to get news from different sources, especially if you're watching Fox, um, because oh, that's oh my god, I had right, an that, yeah, it's it's terrible. I mean, what like where have we come? There's no journalism anymore. There's no like speaking the truth. Now it's all opinion based, but people look at your opinion as fact. I mean, the president is clearly getting his facts from Fox. Yeah. Oh yeah. No question. Right. And so, but, but my thing is. Is we should say exactly. It's funny to hear you say that. We should say exactly what you just said to all of America, right? Mm-hmm. Not just people who watch Fox. Yeah, totally. Get your news from different sources. No, agreed. Right, and and there's a there's a um, there's a, a graph that's like a pictorial graph mm-hmm. that basically puts all the major and even minor news, you know, outlets in America mm-hmm. on a left to right wing, you know, graph. Right. And so you can look at any of the, you know, like Time Magazine, you know, Wall Street Journal, Fox News, you know, whatever, right? They're all on this graph. And so for me, you need to pick one on the right or two on the right, one or two in the middle, one or two on the left. Yeah. And look at all of them. Like, get your information from all of them. If you're only getting your information from one source, you're most likely, you know, um, know, tipping, right? You're you're, you're not as firm in your understanding as you should be. So you shouldn't be spouting your beliefs. Yeah. Because you don't have the facts. Right. I think it was interesting because I love this quote that Mike Pence would try and use this in the debate, but he said a great quote, which is, you're entitled to your own opinion, not your own fact. Unfortunately, he was misusing it because his entire fucking argument was opinion based. So I thought it was a little hypocritical, but not even a little. It was the definition of hypocritical. Somebody else used that before him. Like Yes. No, it was, um, it was uh, uh, Senator something Moynihan. Um, yeah, who? Cr- yeah, Patrick Moynihan. Patrick Moynihan. He was he was using someone else's quote, and I. It's one of my favorite quotes, so I hate that he was using it. But yes. and it's again incredibly hypocritical for anyone. Mike Pence being them for him to say that to someone. It's like you're handling the coronavirus is disastrous. So for you to say <laughs> something like that is, but. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I, I don't know. I'm glad that you're an optimist. I, I see myself as an optimist too. I like to call myself an optimistic realist, which yes. is, you know, that's why I'm getting to the point where some people I really, I heard a great thing where it was, um, the, basically the, the, the lesson of the story is to not waste wisdom on someone who won't hear it. And that's kind of the point that I'm getting with some of these, you know, um, some of my fellow countrymen is that I, I feel like I'm wasting breath on them. Like, I don't, I'm not going to convince certain white people not to be racist, you know, I, which I hate that I think that way because I really, I used to think I could convince everyone and I'm starting to lose faith in that because I'm just, I'm seeing how these people are acting and I'm like, are you savable? <laughs> yeah. You know, like with the people defending Kyle Rittenhouse or whatever that his name was, like, how, like, how do I save someone who's supporting a GoFundMe for a white supremacist who shot a peaceful protester and killed them? Like, wh- how do I help you? You know, how do I convince you? How do I convince someone who can't understand why people are protesting against police brutality? 
how do I reach your American, your like your human needs? You know, your like you said, your animal instinct. How do I reach that when it, you're pretty much working against your own best interest at this point? Yeah, difficult. It's difficult. Yeah, and 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 no question. You know, I, I hear you. It, it is very frustrating. And, you know, I'm just still not yeah. to the point that I want to give up. Oh, totally. But it's frustrating. Oh, yeah. I, and I think we're on the same page with that. And I, and I hope that the audience listening will be as well. Like, as frustrating as much as I want to stop, we can't. <laughs> like, we have no choice. <laughs> we can, and, and that's that too, right? Like, even though we're both optimists, I, I'm a realist in the sense where I tell people, like, one of the main reasons I know not to stop is if we do, we're doomed. You know, we have a climate that is that is alarmingly uh, volatile right now. We have a, you know, a growing hatred in this country that we cannot allow to flourish into full form fascism. Like these are things we have to address because I do not want to live in a world where Trump's people have won or the climate is destroyed. I mean, we I don't know where we're going to live. <laughs> yeah. So and you know, it's really funny. Like just how you, you know, were saying that you know, um, Pence used that Pat, that Patrick Moynihan quote, and you're looking at him like, how hypocritical can you be to use that quote? Right? Yeah. One of my favorite quotes of the founding fathers, I heard come out of the mouth of Trump Jr. during the Republican. You oh know, my God. <laughs> parties you know party right and it's inside the um jefferson memorial and it's written on the inside of the rotunda and you have to like go all the way around to Mm -hmm. read it right it goes around the top right and it is the following i have sworn upon the altar of god eternal hostility against every form of tyranny over the mind of man. Because as a psychiatrist, I'm like, you know what? That's pretty nice. Yeah, right? yeah well, well said. Yeah, so like, I have sworn upon the altar of God eternal hostility against every form of tyranny over the mind of man. And to me, when you purposely lie to people, yeah. When you purposely, you know, omit, that just pisses me off, right? Yeah. Because you are you are absolutely trying to manipulate and become, you know, tyrannical. Yeah. And then to use that quote on top of that is like I how could you possibly feel comfortable saying that? Right, and you know you're lying yeah. with most of the stuff that you say. Exactly, unbelievable. Like, so you have no fear of God. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's, I think that's well put. I think that they, they must be atheists or, like, nihilists or something. Like, they clearly don't have a fear of God. Right. Or higher power. Because you can't say that. Yeah. Right? I have sworn upon the altar of God eternal. Yeah. Right, and then lie. Yeah, wow. Right. Yeah. And... And, and my thing is, like, listening to Fox so as a psychiatrist is going to, I don't know, I, I think this is funny, right? So, and I apologize to all my Fox listeners for what I'm about to say. <laughs> but my wife and others are like, how can you watch Fox, 
right? Because it just upsets liberals, right? Mm -hmm. And I say, here's my joke, you ready? I'm a psychiatrist. I listen to crazy people all day. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And so, and I mean that seriously and humorously, Right. right? Yeah. Because even crazy people say really interesting and tr- sometimes truthful completely, stuff. Completely. Right? Completely. And I, I completely yeah. agree. I completely and so agree. I used to love to listen to Fox. So like when, when Obama was president and I would hear that he did something great, I wouldn't even turn to the left wing stuff first. I would go immediately to Fox. Yeah, what's wrong see with it? See how they're going to spin it. Because yeah. to me, they were masters, incredible masters at spinning it so that you looked at that same bit of information from a different way. Mm. And, 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 to, and to me, I respect that, right? I'm like, okay, I would have never thought to look at it that way. Yeah. But okay, that, that could make sense too, right? Yeah. And to me, that's legit, right? Cause, so they've made up their mind that they're not going to like this man. Yeah. So whatever he does, yeah, they're, they're gonna hate purposely it. look at it from the opposite angle of what you know. General, just, yeah, you know, people who are looking at the same issue would think. I just right? wish they framed it as this is our opinion and not as this is because they're journalists. You know, like it, it wouldn't bother me if like they just made it clear to their listeners, we're not the truth. We're just an opinion farm, and we're going to just tell you what we think. And honestly, I, I say this to, to, um, you know, to, to show that the pendulum swings both ways. I'll say it about CNN and everyone else. I do not see enough criticism about how the Democratic Party themselves are should be held under a microscope. I mean, the way that Bernie Sanders has been robbed out of two elections... We yeah. that's we can't turn a blind eye to that, right. and I and I don't see CNN and the liberal media news sources holding the Democratic Party accountable. I mean, like it's unbelievable. Yeah. This is twice now. No truth. You know. Now, now I'm now I'm not as sure about the second one, but definitely the first one. The first one for sure. I mean, yeah, the second one not so much, but the you know for for um. The, on the media's sake, right? Like just talking about media numbers, I think Bernie Sanders got five percent of the airtime as the other candidates. Like he got some sort of crazy low coverage for the oh, front wow. runner. Okay. Yeah, so I, I don't even mean no, so much as far as what the Democratic Party was doing, but just the news outlets. Like they didn't yeah. take him because at the end of the day, they're owned by those people. You know, the, they're part of Fox and CNN and MSNBC. All of them are owned by different wealthy people who have different wealthy yeah. agendas. <laughs> yes, yes. No, that's true. That's that's legit. That is legit. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but, so, but wait. So, but for for my Fox News thing. Oh, please. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So, that's what happened during Obama, right? Mm-hmm. So, and to me, that still gets my respect as a psychiatrist, right? Because, right. you know, everybody looking at the same situation has a different perspective on that situation based on your life experience completely right and so that is that's scientific that's legit you know okay so we we need another you know outlet to look at it in a different way right but i think that um rupert murdoch right Mm -hmm. was brilliant in 
you know, basically having our government take off the law that says you have to have both, you know, opposing thoughts on your the same channel. Mm. So they basically, you know, benefited from that because they just were able to take people's brains to a whole different pathway and it became sinister to me when the um, Trump impeachment hearings happened. Mm -hmm. So in the House, one, you know, congressperson speaks and then the next one speaks, Mm -hmm. right? And they go back and forth Republican, Democrat, Republican, Democrat, Republican, Democrat. Mm-hmm. So, so Republican would say something, and it would sound incredibly, you know, brilliant and you know, inflammatory, and just that it was ridiculous that the Democrats were even doing this to President Trump, right? Mm-hmm. And then you'd have a Democratic person come on, and they would refute it point by point, right? Right? Yeah. Black, 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 black. So you say, oh, okay, so they just knocked all of those down. Okay, so then you'd have another Republican say something with a couple other different points, right? Mm-hmm. You'd have a Democratic person come back and maybe swat down two out of three, right? Yeah. And that would go on. I would turn to Fox at the end of the day to see what they would put, and they would put four or five of the Republican comments only. Yeah, exactly. With no Democratic rebuttal. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Yeah. So now they have crossed the line for me right. as a psychiatrist, mm-hmm. right? So they are absolutely, totally going full Monty. We are going to trick anyone just watching Fox News. Yeah, exactly. We're going to use this as a, as a platform for spreading misinformation, essentially. Or the information that we want. Yeah. We are spreading only the version that we want. Yeah. And and then I started feeling so this is getting back in a long winded way to your, you know, thing about, you know, how do you talk to people that have a different opinion? Mm-hmm. I first asked them if they watch anything other than Fox News. Because as a as a professional I have now looked at Fox News and I'm like, if you only watch Fox News, then you do think the president didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, it's true. Right. So how so, could you? So I can't even seriously argue with you until I can get you to watch some other news sources. Right. Yep. You have to. Right. Because anything that I say, you know, you're not going to believe. Because that's not the way Fox looks at it. Mm-hmm. And you've heard none of the other, you know, you know, disqualifying, you know, um, points of view. 100%. So I just beg people, just please, you know, do what I do. I get it. That you, you won't be able to watch MSNBC as long as I will. Yeah. But I hope you're able to watch it as long as I watch Fox. That's a great. I'll start saying that. I like that a lot. Do it. That's that's one. That's definitely one way. I just yeah. it's yeah man. I I just gotta I just gotta figure out more ways to get to people because there there has to be a way to. Re- I can't give up on them. I can't because right. we're gonna have to live with them regardless. Like that's one thing I was saying to 
a buddy of mine, I was like, as far as my activism goes now, I'm going to do it, hope that people get on board, but if they don't, I'm going to keep doing it without them, because whether or not they're, like, if you're a racist or a sexist or whatever kind of weird bigot you are, either way, we're going to have to, we're going to have to share this country, like, I'm not going anywhere, you're not going anywhere, so I might as well make it a better place, and you can reap the benefits of it, Uh, either way, there's a, the, the president of the Senate in California, I'm so glad I just remembered this. this, is a great reference story. Her name is Tony Atkins, first openly lesbian woman in government. Um, she's the president of the Senate in California, really inspiring woman. I met her at a fundraiser. No, what was it? Anyways, met her at an event, and uh, you know, I'm bottom of the totem pole as far as Senate politics in California. You you know who I am. I'm, I'm very off brand for politics, and this is an a different version of an off-brand politician, but, you know, incredibly inspiring and brilliant woman, right? And she's talking to me. We shouldn't even have been having a conversation, but she's talking to me, and she's telling me, you know, you remind me of myself. Keep keep trying to make the world a better place. And she was telling me a story because I said to her, I was like, how do you deal with these people, you know? Because I know you've dealt with them. You're a lesbian woman in America. I know you've dealt with this bullshit. Like, how do you do it? She's like, I'm going to tell you a story. So when she first started out, she was working the phones of, uh, I forget what politician. She's working on the phones for them. And every day this homophobic guy would call in and just say the worst things in the world to her. Um, but she would pick up because she worked for government and she represented him too. And so she'd pick up and she was respectful. You know, she'd ask that he wouldn't yell at her. Like, but he would do his thing and she would help him anyway. And when she eventually ran for office, he was the first person to donate to her campaign. No way. Yeah, isn't that great? Oh my god. Yeah. That's hilarious. So that story is part of why I'm able to like kind of hold on to hope for these it's like they might be terrible. They might be just as long as they haven't hurt anyone. That's where I draw the line. Like you can say whatever horrible thing you want. I'm going to we're probably going to have a problem about it, but I'm not going to write yeah. you off until you've done a a Kyle Rittenhouse. Until you've committed an act of violence, I think right. there's still room to save you. No, dude, but it's, I'm telling you, to it's me, real. that is the most important thing right now. Totally, and, totally. And I'm, and I'm ecstatic that Trump is as bad as he is. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Because it is absolutely making it clear that, you know, yo, you can either go with this racist doctrine, right? Yeah. And... Figure out. Oh, this is another one I wanted to say because I'm so glad you brought it back to this. So, black people are used to hearing politicians say something and then have them not do it. Mm-hmm. We just just being black in America. That's what you've basically gotten used to, mm-hmm. right? Working class white people have not really had the exactly that. exactly. So as a black person in America, I'm feeling actually a little sad for them because they're going to see, like, if Trump, let's just imagine, Trump gets reelected. You know, this just, that could happen, right? Mm-hmm. He is not going to build the wall because wealthy people are benefiting from the new slaves coming in, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, we shouldn't call them slaves, I guess, now, but it's basically the lowest, you know, paid um, labor possible, mm-hmm. 
right? So they could get away with slavery before. Now they're getting away with what's called wage slavery. Yeah, right. right. Like basically, you know, don't pay people really a living wage. Right. Right. So it's not slavery only because you're paying them, but you're not paying them enough to not be poor. Right. right? So, you know, working class white people are still going to suffer from that because the wall's not coming. Mm -hmm. If he gets this, you know, um, Supreme Court justice on, most likely the ACA is going to be gone or tremendously hobbled. Yeah. And basically what I wish they would point out, too, is in order to make an insurance policy cheaper, you get more people in it. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's why the big companies have like these great insurance plans, because if you work for Ford Motors or somebody, right, you've got hundreds of thousands of employees. Right. So you can get a really great, you know, program. Right. Obamacare or ACA, they were trying to get as many people in it as possible that could pay. Right. So the first thing that the Republicans do is they eliminate the, you know, requirement that everybody pays into it. So every time you cut people out of it, it makes the price go up for everybody else. Mm. So that's their dastardly plan, right? Because people actually like the ACA. They just wish it cost less. Yeah. And so what the Republicans are doing, the more people they cut out, the more the price goes up. And then people won't like it. And then... That's what they. That's that's the genius of their evil too. Is they they did it with um, the coronavirus relief. You know how so Congress approached Trump and was like, we're gonna do, we're gonna give six hundred more a week, and he was basically like, no, and then he and then he returned to them with four hundred fifty a week, but he was taking it out of Social Security and Medicaid, and so then the the Democrats were like, no, and so what I think that he did that for was to make it look like the Democrats wouldn't pass the bill because of uh, politics. They're using people's lives as a politics game so that he looks like the savior whenever it eventually gets passed. That's my fear of... You know, oh, I, I hadn't heard that they were taking it out of Social Security. Yeah, that's that's why the Democrats said no to him because that's where he was going to pull the money from. Oh, I yeah, know. you're right. So that's like the dastardly evil. Yeah, so, seriously. So, that, so that's definitely a rich Mitch McConnell thing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Right? Like like Trump, I'm sorry, is just not that smart to do that. Yeah. You saw Mitch McConnell laughing about coronavirus relief the other day? He like he looked like a supervillain. He was laughing about a senator who was criticizing him. And he and I wanted man. Oh, oh, so you know, I'm glad you said that one. So what I do sometimes is I take video of stuff like that and I show it to my right wing friends. Mm-hmm. So I have a friend that I went to college with, black man, makes Clarence Thomas look like a lefty. Huh. And I love him, right? Like he's great. Like he helped me and my wife get together. He and his wife, his his wife was, you know, roommates with my wife when mm. they were in college, right? Brothers, right? Right. But we just can't talk about politics because we're just on total opposite sides, right? Mm. But to me, if you don't hear stuff like that, right? If you don't see Mitch McConnell laughing at the woman who's running against him, mm-hmm. who's bringing up that, you know, he's basically, he, he received 
more money than any other senator from the big pharma. Damn. So that's why he's not going against big pharma. Yeah, right. right. Of course not. Right. And he's basically, you know, um, doing what he's doing to the ACA, right? Because he doesn't want companies, because Barack and Biden made sure that companies, big companies, are paying part of it, are paying a significant part of it, Mm -hmm. right? And that, to me, is fair, because um, I think it was Reagan times, right? They basically, or or, no, I think this one was actually... um, George W. Bush time, excuse me. They made it possible for bankruptcy to open up the coffers of the retirement and the health care benefits that were promised to employees while the company was an active company, right? So basically, if you work for a company for 30 years, like my aunt, she worked for Avon. They had, you know, negotiated a retirement package and a healthcare package, so they die. Hmm. When it went out, when they go through financial hardship, they used to could not touch those things. Those were like, you know, locked boxes. You couldn't touch that because those were promised to the employees of the company mm-hmm. that did their time for the company and had that, you know, basically worked into their retirement planning. Right. Right. They changed the laws so that the Raiders could bust that bank up and take money out of that, too. Unreal. So to me, when you make decisions like that, that was a Supreme Court decision. When you make when you make decisions like that, you should have to pay for people's health care because you're basically benefiting from the fact that you can eliminate it yeah and you know and and it's basically the half of the population that is involved in wall street because half of the population has no real engagement with stocks in the wall street yeah right so the half that does have engagement in wall street is basically stealing from the half that doesn't Mm mm-hmm so to me, that's why the half that does should be paying more for the half that doesn't for yeah. their health care. No, it's I I totally agree. It's just unfortunately they just they don't want to, and I and I they it's we kind of see that with Trump. Like I had a woman say that to me. We were talking about racism and and the protests and everything, and then out of nowhere she just exploded. Like, it, it went from being very civil and then this, like, very calm, quiet, older woman just exploded. And she was like, I don't want to have to change my life. She just, it just erupted out of her. And I think that's... What do you mean she didn't want to change her life? She What's didn't want to have to pay more taxes. She didn't want to have to help poor people, basically. She right. didn't want to have to do... She didn't want her life to change at all. Right. And that's where I think the big issue lies is that you know, whether it's true or not that people's lives would change, people are unwilling to change at all to help people in the slightest. And that's like... No, but to me, it goes back to that whole animal thing. Yeah. It's our animals. Yeah. they right. They may move toward what feels good. They move away from what feels bad. So we got to make what feels bad sound good. 
Say that again. We got to make what sounds bad to them sound good. Like you helping these people will actually help you because then you'll go to heaven. I know. And I got to keep but that out. Me, but to me, you can break it down to it affects you now. Right? Yeah. Because, and because what I say is, you know, if you've ever been to a third world country, and I'll just remember my first time, and, and, and this isn't even a third world country. I remember my first time, our first like out of the country, you know, um, trip as a family mm-hmm. that I really remember well is that we went to Jamaica, right? Mm-hmm. And we went to Jamaica. We had this really nice house, had a swimming pool, we had a cook and like, you know, a driver. It was awesome, right? But as we're coming down out of the hills, there's guys standing with freaking crazy machine guns. Mm-hmm. At the bottom of the street, coming down off the hill, right? So the so the so the neighborhood is on the hill, right, where we're staying. But they had guys with machine guns standing at the bottom, right? And so I asked, you know, the the the, the people that were at the house, like, what is that? And they're like, well, you know, there's a lot of people on the island who don't have what we have up here, right? And they just, you know not happy about it and every now and then try to come used to try to come up here to take it right used to Mm. so there are people living in gated communities all over america right now that are like look right i'm in my house i'm safe i'm secure i don't want to have to pay for anybody else yep yeah like those lawyers (laughs) like those lawyers who pointed their guns at protesters and from their like roman-esque mansion (laughs) That was ridiculous. Right. And it wasn't like people were on their property trying to steal their stuff. No. I mean, that's different. Yeah. No, yeah. They, it was just the, their their perceived danger. And that's what I think that happened with that woman, too. It was the perception that equal rights or that, like, the end of police brutality means that their, their amazing life is going to end. It's like, no, it's just opening the door to other people finding happiness, too. Yeah. You don't have to lose a child to an untrained police officer, but let me let me ask you some personal questions as we as we wrap it up. I might end up calling you back at a later date for more for more on this, but this interview could clearly go for seventeen hours if you wanted. It. But let me ask you a question that I ask all my interviewees, which is, you know, we've all kind of been given words of wisdom throughout our life. What are some words that you were taught or said to you that? have influenced and and led to your life being what it is? Words of wisdom. Given to Um, you. Because I'm also going to ask you the question of what words of wisdom would you give? But right now it's what was given to you. Um, so, so, (laughs) it's really interesting. The first, you know, quote that comes to me, right, is work hard, play hard. Mm. Because if you do those two things hard, you will be a happy, successful person. (laughs) Very true. I love that. Right? Work hard and play hard. Right? And if if you know anybody that knows me, I play hard. Right? Right? A five-city birthday in 50 hours for my 50th birthday. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, Boston, New Haven, New York, 
D.C., Miami in 50 hours for my 50th birthday. Legendary. Right. So, and, you know, connect with friends in, you know, every city, right? And so, and, and so I guess in conjunction with that, right, I've also been in school for 33 years of my life, mm. right? So, you know, I love learning. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I was getting to right there. So love learning, like, you know, lifetime learning mm. is just an incredible gift that we have in America. Right. And, you know, I've got these like 15 books that I've been reading since Trump came in mm-hmm. all off of Google searches on the history of racism in America and then mm-hmm. going back and forth. Right. To the mm-hmm. different ones. So the more you learn, the more you can, you know, understand. Yeah. That's a that's great. Yeah, uh, and and uh, the, the last one is my cousin D- David, who has passed now. He's like, "Where's Kevin? Out making friends, mm. right?" And so, basically, make friends. Like, don't don't have any compunction, right? Any worry about talking to somebody right and it's like it's and i guess you know watching my kids you know with the video game era watching you guys right Mm -hmm. you know how like when you come up onto something as you're playing a video game you enter a new room or something you know and you 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 come up on something and you hit it and the little gold you know coin flips up Mm -hmm. because you hit the right thing Mm -hmm. gobble it treat every human being as if there's a gold coin inside them mm. and talk to them right don't have any worry right that you're gonna get anything else besides the gold coin mm-hmm. right because they have a perspective that's gonna help you in some situation later on mm. like you know you don't you don't spend the gold coin right then you keep it you, you save it up and you use it later Right in the video game world, right? That's profound. Yeah, so so true, so valid. Yeah, just you know, like there's 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 something in everybody's life story, and that's why I actually love what I do. Right, so I get to listen to people's lives, what they have gone through to make them how they are today, and then I get to help them with. The fact that I've listened to thousands of other people's lives, too, mm. right? Like, it's not that I'm necessarily all that brilliant, right? But I have the ability to use all the life stories that I've heard to help individuals with their life. I love that. It's I, I love it for two reasons. One, because it's so, such a beautiful thing. And two... That's that's literally what one of my friends' criticism of uh, my podcast episode about racism was that I was positioning myself as an authority on racism. I was like, I'm literally speaking about the black feminist theory. I did not come up with this. Like, I was like, I'm very touched that you think I'm brilliant enough to come up with these theories. But trust me, this is not my. I am not that man. I'm literally regurgitating theories and knowledge that I learned from much. Why I stand on the shoulders of giants. So I'm glad to hear that you feel the same way in your life that I do in mine. That's great. Oh, dude, no question. No question, right? And and we can all help each other. Mm-hmm. That's probably the last one, right? We can all help each other. 
I love that. No, I say that to people all the time. R rising tides raise all ships. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And 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 racism uh, is the anchor that won't let people rise up. Right? right. So 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 if you have a if you have an anchor with a chain on your on your leg, and you're in a boat, and then the rising tide comes in. Right. You're gonna drown. Yeah. Yep. Right. Wow. Well said. So, Right. So, so basically, let's get rid of the chains of racism. Right. Because right. basically all of us were, you know, the outside other at some point. Exactly. That's really the point that I think is most important, too. It's like this is all of our problems. It's not like it's it only affects one person. Like that's why there's the theory called intersectionality, which is that all these systems of oppression are rooted in the same thing. Like you can't. You can't solve the climate crisis until you realize that the first people to be affected by changing climates are minority populations and poor populations. So you have to address the classism and the racism that is in climate control or climate crisis, right? To solve racism, we have to understand that it's deeply rooted in sexism. Like that, you know, while, while there have been fights to end racism, that sexism has held back the fights for ending racism. Like, it's so interesting how... You can't solve one until we solve all of them, so why don't we just do it already and just fix our fucking planet? <laughs> right. No, and, and again, I say this in very serious terms. If we can do that, Trump truly has been the best president ever. Yeah, it's true. I No, I agree. I think that right. I, unintentionally, as, as is, unintentionally. which is so characteristic of this, of this administration, that they would on accident become the greatest presidency ever because of how horrible they were. Yes. I love that though. I, that would be, that is the most American thing I think I've ever heard. <laughs> Dude, and, it's, and, and, the, and, and as one of my friends said, the great thing about it is it's actually true. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, that is that is amazing. You were great because you were so horrible. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. America. You, you totally intended not to do this. Yeah. And thank you so much for allowing us to do this. I agree. That's what I was, that's what I, the one thing that kept me sane throughout this, this, absolute horror show was that it was it was kind of un undoing the veil that has blinded a lot of people in this country like this shit is fucked up let's admit it that's the first the first step towards any addictive recovery towards any grief like i, I and you, i'm sure you know this more than most people being that you're a professional in the medical field you got to admit it first you can't like I'm sure this is the case with narcissists too. I don't think you can stop being one until you know you are one, or maybe you can never know. Who knows? No, no, no. You're, no, you're correct. You're yeah. Right. And, and but I think with narcissism, it's just so deep yeah. that even knowing that you are one is supportive for you. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm a narcissist. Ah, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. What a tough, that's, that's a tough egg to crack. It's going to be difficult. I, I'm curious to see if Trump finds salvation. Like if on his deathbed, he's like, I was wrong. That would be amazing. Yeah. What a beautiful thing. Uh, yeah, man, let's not, let's not, you know, <laughs> count on that. No, I'm not going to hold my breath. You know, a final thoughts and just if this was like a, a 
a, a wrap up of the conversation, what would you leave people with as your final your final thoughts on on the world? I would say that um, some great person said that if you do not study history, you are damned to repeat it. Mm. And America right now is in a antebellum period, right, that Trump is trying to set up, right? So he's trying to set up a civil war again. Mm -hmm. And what I want people to know is that we've already been through this once. And what you didn't know then, you can know now. Is that this is the underpinnings of a system of enterprise that requires slaves. And if we want to break out of this, we have the ability to do this now. Mm-hmm. And we can be more, you know even handed and still be a entrepreneurial and um, you know truly you know um, great industrial society you know um, and and not based on communism in the scary word you know that you know people um, apply to a wonderfully socially just society that treats people you know well all people well right that's not communism right that's a social pact that you make with your countrymen Mm -hmm. that we're gonna treat everybody equally right it's like a moral obligation the rule of law applies to everyone Mm -hmm. Right. And that to me, that's the biggest thing that we are in danger of losing. It's the rule of law. That's what really separates us. Oh, this is what I wanted to say. We have the opportunity right now to prove to the world that the one thing that the wealthy fear is still in control. And that's government. The only thing that the ultra-wealthy fear is the power of government, because that's the only thing stronger than the greedy wealthy. Mm -hmm. And um, they are doing their best to dismantle government, right? And what people, I think, are not looking at that... um, is difficult to look at because of all the crazy, ridiculous, shiny things that Trump keeps throwing up in our faces is that he's dismantling government. Mm. The good government employees are leaving. It's almost like what I call the termititization of government. Mm. So he's released these termites into our governance and They are basically undoing the things that government does well for us. Not all government is bad. Yeah. That's a great point. 
Also, to your point of, of knowing history so you don't repeat it, that sounds a lot like a Marcus Garvey quote. He said, a people without knowledge of their past history, origin, and culture is like a tree without roots. Yes. Yes. And it'll just blow over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to yeah, understand no, it. That's awesome. Yeah. No, because basically he's trying to get us into a civil war. Yeah. And, you know, let's not, we're not doing that. No. Right? no. We are smarter than that. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's incredibly valid. And. I look forward to seeing how this election pans out. We're going to be finding out shortly after the podcast comes out. So, fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's like Trump's army of, you know, militia, right, that he thinks is going to fight for him, should remember that the job of the militia in the Constitution is to protect America from... A dictator government. Exactly. So if they want to watch anything, what they should be watching is the counting of the votes. Yeah. They should be, the militiamen should be making sure that nobody from Trump's administration cheats America by stealing votes. There's no such thing as voter suppression. There is vote theft. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, like if you take somebody's wallet when they walk into the grocery store yeah. so they can't buy food. Not wallet suppression. food suppression? Yeah. Or have you stolen their money? Right, yeah. Great point. That is a very valid way of saying that. And it's true. Like, they are trying to steal the election. Yeah. They are stealing votes. They're mm-hmm. not suppressing votes. Yeah. They are stealing votes. Yeah. And if you're a militiaman and you are a true militiaman, you should make sure to fight so that the votes are counted. If there needs to be a fight, that's where the fight is. I agree. That's a great point. So anybody trying not to count the votes, that's who the militia should be after. Unreal. Well, hopefully we'll both be, re- we'll both be rewarded for our optimism and we'll see a brighter tomorrow together. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate this conversation. It's crazy to me that it came out before the election, but we're putting it out during and how timely Dr. Williams' last words were. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your perspective and your knowledge with us. And I hope you all appreciated it as much as I did. Like, comment, subscribe if you like the podcast. Stay up, everybody. We're going to get to do this as a nation. I love you all. Thank you. Thank you.